these long I usually read the crime ones because I'm truly into true crime like the only podcast I listen to are murder podcast just a little FYI for you um but honestly anything that I see that like just (laughs) interests me or looks interesting I'll read it and I'm just that's just kind of the way I am I read a lot of random things here and there and I know and I know a lot about just really random things and Hey, I can recall like silly facts about things that I've read and just like, oh, did you know this statistic or blah, blah, blah. And they're like, yeah, we don't care. You know? <laughs> <laughs> hey, me too. I just quoted how to read a book like four times. Well, <laughs> Leslie calls me um, her personal Wikipedia. She's like, well, if I don't know it, you know the answer or you'll look it up. And I'm like, I mean, I'm just, yeah, I'm fascinated by just, I guess, facts. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird thing, but yeah. My dad always said that I would be his lifeline on who wants to be a millionaire. Yeah. <laughs> hey there, Christ City Church. Welcome to another episode of the Christ City Cast, where we sit down and have ordinary conversations with men and women from within our faith family as a way to not only get to know one another a bit better, but to learn more about what God is up to in and through and all around us as the gospel story manifests itself here in Dallas, Texas in 2022 in our midst. Today's episode is a conversation with Rory Shaw, and I think you'll see quite a bit of overlap with today's conversation and the things we've been talking about in our gatherings this month of February, especially as it relates to gospel community, friendship, and what it means to follow Jesus with other people through the various seasons of our lives. We'll also talk about a ministry and an organization that is very near and dear to Rory's heart. So I invite you to check out the show notes so that you can learn more about Capernaum, a ministry of young life that serves teens and young adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Enjoy the conversation. So hello, welcome back uh, to the Christ City Cast. Uh, this is I'm Chaz. We're sitting with Rory. Hello. And Scott is with us as hey. well. And we're just going to continue kind of getting to know each other through these conversations. So hello, Rory. You're... I feel like I don't even have to. Um, you're actually a you co-host these, so <laughs> the tables are kind of turned now. So I, I know. know I feel like y'all are just <laughs> staring at me, and I'm like, oh no. I don't know if that's strange to be now you're in the hot seat, quote unquote. Um, but anyways, so Rory, how um, how about where did you grow up? Where are you from? What was life like um, growing up for you? So. If you don't already know, I feel like I talk about this a lot. I am from the smallest town on earth called Hull, Texas. You're going to have to spell that. H U L L. It's not Hull, Texas. <laughs> it is a hole in Texas. Um, Hull oh. does not have a city limit sign. It is a water district. You wouldn't even know you're going through it. There is a post office and there is an elementary school. What part of Texas? Southeast of Texas. It's in between Beaumont and Houston, like halfway. Mm, got it. So my. Dad is from there. His parents were from there. Um, third generation to graduate from holidays at a high school. Um, I think this is probably something everybody knows about me as well. I was my high school's mascot, Bobby Bobcat. Yes. <laughs> um, so grew up in Hull, Texas, a small town. Um, I really think, honestly, growing up, in a, growing up in a small town really influenced my life. And just that I don't meet a stranger because I knew absolutely every single person in my town. So... I can go up and talk to anybody, but growing up, um, 
definitely life in a small town revolved around church. So grew up um, both sides of my family, um, family of faith, I guess. Um, my dad's two sisters and their husbands are pastors and travel around. Oh, yeah. All the um, men on my mom's side of the family are all deacons or pastors are involved in the church somehow. So like a lot of family and just life in general was revolved around the church. Um, yeah. My dad led the music where I grew up. My mom played the piano. So oh, awesome. um, doors were open Sunday morning, Sunday night and Wednesdays. And we were always there. Um, had a key to the church. Uh, you know, we were talking about trick-or-treating earlier. We always had a fall festival at the church. So trick-or-treating, like yeah. you didn't go trick-or-treating anybody's <laughs> house because it was too far. So yeah. you just did everything at the church. So um, life definitely for me revolved, you know, all, all of our activities had to do with that um, really. And um came to know the Lord at a young age. And I, I do believe that and that that um, step of faith did take place. I know sometimes like with kids growing up, it's um, they kind of think back and or just, you know, it's like, well, do you want to go to heaven with mom and dad or you yeah. want to go hell? Mm -hmm. And that's not what happened to me for all. But I would say that um, definitely until I was probably in my 20s and an adult, um, my faith was definitely um, kind of more of what my parents said or believed. And so that's what I, I said yeah. and believed. Um, I really didn't learn how to walk with the Lord and have my, it really in my twenties, I started questioning my faith and, um, just kind of what I believed instead of what I was, have been told to believe my entire yeah. life. Um, and so that kind of transformation happened for me when I, after college, um, when I moved to Dallas and, um, yeah. Where'd you go to? College. So I already know this. College, but. undergrad, I went to SFA in Nacogdoches, Axum Jacks. Um, and then for graduate school, I did not want to get a job, so I went to graduate school. And that's how I went ended up at the University of Alabama. Roll tide. That's they right. brainwashed me, huge fan. Um my aunt and uncle aunt and uncle actually lived in Tuscaloosa. Okay. So that's how I got there. Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. It was between tech, Texas Tech mm -hmm. and Alabama. And Alabama is actually a shorter drive than to Lubbock. Huh. So. Oh. <laughs> yeah, from from Hull. <laughs> from Hull. You know, you talk about growing up and how your family was, you know, centered life and kind of organized them your your family life like around church and your in the Christian faith. And I'm I'm just reminded. I remember a couple years ago we were talking about Christmas, and so y'all Christmas is coming up. Mm -hmm. Y'all have like a pageant every year, like y'all perform well, a when play I was a kid, of the nativity. Is that so? When I was a kid, we did. Yeah. So my family, that's we, so, we so kind cool. of are not. We maybe all don't, don't celebrate do it as much together. Anymore, yeah. But um, when I was a kid, like all of my cousins, all my aunt and uncles, we were always all together. And yeah, the kids, we would, I have pictures I'll show you. Um, we would, <laughs> we would reenact the, the nativity. That's so um, cool. I got to be Mary with my little, um, Jesus cabbage patch. And, uh, yeah, there were angels. We made my uncles and my dad, um, dress up in really tight robes and be shepherds sometimes with, um, yeah. towels around their heads. Uh, so yeah. That's good. I think what Chaz is really getting at is would you lead that this year? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm all for well, that. Well, you, it's funny you say. <laughs> Yeah, Scott, because the whole time you're explaining it, I remember thinking this a couple of years ago. It's like we are like, you know, our generation now, we scoff at stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And we think, oh, that's so cheesy. That's so corny, you know, and like we would never do that or something. But I actually I actually feel the exact opposite. I really think. 
that's a really special thing for the kids, I'm sure, that had an influence on you and impacted you. Yeah. But even for the adults, like, to get, I mean, it's just an imaginative, playful way of, like, learning the story of Jesus, which is, you know, we think we're so, you know, I don't know, we just, we're so. Consumers. Yeah, like us millennials and Gen X, we yeah. think we're so cool and mm -hmm. too cool for school, like. I actually think that's a great way to. So the my the church I grew up going to in my little small town, uh, we did a they did a live nativity every year. Yeah. So yeah, it was like on awesome. the main road, the main road. <laughs> but I so growing up, my parents helped out with the youth. So my sister and I just did everything with the youth group and all the high school kids. They were our babysitters, and um, I remember they would let us come and help out with the live nativity, and I thought it was like the coolest thing ever. Yeah. But everybody would work in shifts, and it was like through the whole holiday season. So it's mm. like we don't the church, and I'm I'm speaking very generally here, but um, like the church, like across the you know the west or whatever like capital c church i feel like we're missing that piece now like i feel like all throughout church history like people you know we've had all these we'd had festivals or these traditions where mm -hmm. people would it was like very embodied way of practicing and like carrying out and i don't know ritualizing like what we believed i don't I don't know where that is in modern yeah. church. Like we grew know. up with like the Christmas cantata, even yeah. the little <laughs> super small choir that the, the church I grew up had. Like, yeah, I think that's um, really the Christmas cantata. But I will say, um, again, growing up, I don't think this is, you know, just specifically to growing up in a small town. But um, I think the reason that I love um, community so much, or like finding community wherever I go, is because of how I grew up. My parents right. are still friends. <laughs> with the same people they've been friends with for 40 years and That's they amazing. still live life with those same people for more than 40 years. You know, those people, I feel like there's that saying like it takes a village and I totally believe yeah. that those people, my parents, my dad was in the choir. My mom was in the choir singing. I didn't sit with my parents in church. Hmm. I sat with fr family friends right. and they're the ones who like, I don't know, not taught me how to act in church, but you know, they were the ones who were like pointing out things to me or, um, you know, those are the people who were my GA leaders or who I would go to if I had a, a problem or a question, you know, I felt comfortable doing that. And they literally are still loving on me and taking care of me. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm 40 years old, but, um, so I, you know, in our Wait, house, so you didn't go to kids church. No, we didn't have kids yeah, church. No, 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 no. You went to big yeah. church. <laughs> no. um, but, you know, our house was, our door was always open. And that was just, everybody, no one rocked. Everybody walked into our house. We had a pool. Like, everyone was always at our house. Like, legitimately, every Friday night, probably when I was in high school, for like the summer, my parents would just be like, everybody come over. And yeah. that's like what it was, mm. you know. And so... I think, you know, with my parents being older, those are the same people who, if they're in a surgery or in the hospital, those people are there at five in the morning waiting in the waiting room with us until the surgery's over or if anything happens. And so um, that's been so influential in my life and yeah. seeing how they love each other. And so mm. that's why like friendships and community and like wherever I am, like that's really important to me because I've seen how it's made a difference and how it continues to like affect my life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's really good. Yeah. You s it's cool to me cause you seem to still have an optimism. Uh, I know a lot of people wind up comparing what they're trying to evaluate in terms of community to something that may have had in the past. Mm -hmm. Do you find that that is 
something that's tricky having been in such a substantial community growing up or do you you find like you're just more optimistic and have found your people and therefore like the fact the rest of the city is going a million miles per hour doesn't bother you no so here's the thing i i think I am optimistic about community and that my parents have had the same friends for 40 years, but I'm also not um, naive enough to think that I'm necessarily going to have that. Mm. Um, The girls that I meet with now, women, sorry, I call everybody girls and boys. um, We talk about this a lot because as long as I've been in Dallas, I've been here for 17 years. I've had um, definite periods. I, I can see all the communities I've had and I definitely am still friends with all of those people. However, what we talk about a lot is um, I still love those people and I'm still friends with them, but we're not necessarily doing everyday life together in a community. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't take away from anything. It just means that my priority is maybe meeting weekly with these, with the girls I meet at Christ city now, rather than the girls I was friends with and I'm still friends with, Mm -hmm. but you know, they have families and they're living in different parts of the city. Mm. And so, but I still have, you know, like the first single girl, small group that I went to at the village, like still friends with those girls going on a trip with them, like right before Thanksgiving. Um, then the, the, the home group I moved into after that, um, at the village, I'm still really good friends with all those people. Um, then when I moved to the village in Dallas, the Northway campus, I still have several friends that I see and am friends with there. And then my transition into Christ city and, you know, moving into community there. So I definitely can see all the communities that I've been a part of and how, you know, they've led me to where I am and, you know, they've always pointed me to Christ. And I think that's the cool thing, but I don't, I think it's naive maybe to think that that's that community might always be together forever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. No, that sounds right. There's a part of, I guess, in some ways, it's it's like a, it's an act of maturity to just kind of like accept things, strive for for the good things, but also just kind of understand and realize that community is it's an organic, it's organic, so it, it yeah. grows, it changes, it it moves, and you know, um, pursuing Christ together in the midst of those changes is I think what really draws those friendships together and helps them sustain. Well, and that's like, like I said, there's people that I'm still friends with. I mean, we've been friends for more than two decades, you know, Um, and it's because we met at church and we might not talk to each other every day, but if something major happens, guess who I'm texting first, I'm calling first. And, you know, they know me on a deep level because we've, we've, but we have done life together. And so I think that's such the the beauty of community and church is that even though you're not necessarily maybe doing everyday life with someone that like who you are doing everyday life with might look different than it did two years ago. Like those, like you still have those friendships and they are your brother and sister in Christ. And those, those relationships don't end.
No, yeah, thanks. I, I think that's a really good encouragement for the season that Christ City's in right now, too. Just um, trying to figure out and trying to kind of um, get get a bit of perspective on, you know, those friendships that are going to kind of track over many years and many different iterations of community and then trying to kind of hold that in intention or in, in relation to those more... Um, you know, frequent, um, or not frequent, but those relationships that are more immediate right now and in front of mm-hmm. us, and then trying to walk faithfully in both of those um, yeah. kinds of relationships. And all of those groups that I was in, that yeah. I was talking about, it was for a long period of time, like five or more years, right? and things, you know, just kind of naturally happened that, you yep. know, people moved, or it was just like, okay, I think this is the end of our group. No hard feelings. We're just going to all do something different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. So how did you end up at Dallas? Uh, we'll talk about oh, that real yeah. quick. So, and then uh, we'll, I want to move into something next. But okay. How, how did you end up in Dallas? So Dallas, I f- graduated from the University of Alabama, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't have a job. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to stay in Tuscaloosa. This is comfortable. Uh, all of the job market in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, is the University of Alabama. So in November, December of 2004, I packed my little Honda Civic up and my sister lived here in Dallas. And so she's like, Rory, come to Dallas, live with me, get a job. And so that's what I did. So I've been here ever since. That's great. Okay. So there's not a, I mean, it is a story, but it's not a complicated story. No, I mean, it was literally like my sister was like, uh, come live with me. I'll, you know, help you out until you can get a job. And so I lived with her for a while. And then once I got a job, I got my own place. And yeah. Yeah. But the funny thing is, is that she went back with me for a homecoming game at the University of Alabama and met a guy that was in a group of friends I had and married him and moved to Tuscaloosa, Alabama (laughs) and works for the University of Alabama. That's great. So, um, yeah, we flip flopped. So she left me and I've been in Dallas alone since, um, not alone. Yeah. Um, since 2009 2008 2009 yeah yeah. that's funny okay so rory uh, i think anyone who's who's met you before already kind of knows about this um but you know we'd love to hear a bit about your involvement with a organization called capernaum which is an arm of young life Mm -hmm. and we know you're really passionate about that um how did you get involved with young life capernaum um how long have you been doing that Just tell us a little bit about that. All right. So if you don't know, Young Life is a student ministry. Um, It's a youth ministry. And like Chas said, Capernaum, there's several different. um, There's Young Life. There's Young Lives, which is the youth ministry for teenage mothers. There's Wildlife, which is junior high. And then Capernaum. So Capernaum is Young Life for people with special needs and disabilities. Um, I had no clue what Young Life was until I moved to Dallas surprise surprise we did not have it in whole texas (laughs) um or anywhere else i went i guess or maybe i just didn't notice it but um i guess my passion and just love of people with special needs and disabilities started in march 4th 1986 when my cousin brad was born and he was born with down syndrome um so that pretty much changed like my family's life i really feel like um of course, I knew people with disabilities, um, but I was five when Brad was born, and so um, I didn't know anybody with Down syndrome when Brad was born. And so um, he really just, honestly, he really changed my family's life. And we, um, he's honestly a miracle. Um, he was born with a hole in his heart. He was born with leukemia, like any complication that a person with Down syndrome can oh, have. Wow. 
Brad had. Um, the doctors told my aunt and uncle he wouldn't live to be three years old. He is about to be 36. Mm, praise God. Yeah, that's great. And he is a miracle and we love him. And he is just, um, yeah, the purest heart. He loves the Lord. And I think just getting to be his cousin is like been one of the greatest gifts and like honors in my life. Like I can't say enough about him. Mm. Um, but he just honestly, all of the struggles he's had and just watching him has been um, and just how he loves people. It's just such an example to me. Like he is just always so happy. He's such an encourager. He wants to pray for you. He like I said, he loves the Lord. Um, I have so many Brad stories. So if you ever want to hear him, let me know. <laughs> but yeah, one of them, I remember uh, when I was in Alabama. It'll be a podcast. Spot. I know about Brad. Brad stories. He, um, <laughs> he went to go get the devotional book and the guy was like, uh, and he, I was like, yeah, he he'll he'll use it and so he goes home later and he's like mom i want to do my devotional but i can't read (laughs) (laughs) you know it's just stuff like that but he is like that's perfect just the best and so i think just my love um just because of him really um I've just always been, I don't know, maybe that it was just always there even before brad but drawn to people with disabilities or special needs and so um and also watching my aunt and uncle, like Brad was born in 1986. Like yeah. they were still told to institutionalize him in 1986, oh, wow. which is absolutely crazy. But watching them um, become advocates for Brad, because especially back in the late 80s, early 90s, when he was starting school, like, you know, it was still inclusion wasn't really a thing. And right. so watching my aunt and uncle um, you know, for 30 something years advocate for Brad to make sure he has everything he needs and the same opportunities that everyone has also made an influence or impact on me. But, um, I volunteered when I moved to Dallas at Scottish Rite Hospital for a little bit, um, which was a great place, but I honestly didn't learn about Young Life Capernaum until seven years ago. Mm -hmm. I was at the village church and it was on Sanctity of Life Sunday. And they were like, Oh, we have, you know, a booth outside. It's called Young Life Capernaum. Um, you can go, you know, they had several different booths and they were doing a concert at the church and to raise money for Capernaum. And my friend who was with me, like hit me. And she was like, Rory, you have to go talk to those people. Cause again, I mean, she's not my cousin Brad. Like she knew how much like that was important to me. So I went out to the table and it happened to be some acquaintances that I knew like crazy. Like this girl, Kaylee, she um, was a friend of a girl that I met on a mission trip. And we just kind of, like she took me to dinner and I learned more about Capernaum. This was in February of 2014. And, um, I met with the area director, went to his house and like legitimately a few weeks later, I went to my first event, which was Capernaum prom, North Texas Capernaum prom (laughs) and jumped in feet first and have been volunteering ever since. Yeah, that's great. That's really great. And it's really just now I've, I've kind of, thought about it a lot, not just recently, but over the course of the years. And, you know, I feel like sometimes, especially growing up in the church, like we feel like we have to have our thing, right? Like, I mean, clearly Chaz, your thing is like leading music and that's cool. Right. But you know what I mean? You know, we're supposed to find our, (laughs) I think we're taught or we want to find our ministry within the church. And sometimes that means like, we think that means like our local church. And I've thought about this a lot recently and I was just like, you know what? I think 
Young Life is my ministry, and it's it's oh, it serving the church. It's yeah. not the the church overall church, mm-hmm. not just. It doesn't have to be in just my local church yeah. that no, I'm doing I mean, it. I've, so since I've known you, I've just thought, oh, that's yeah, that's her ministry. That's how I've always thought about it. And so yeah, I mean, I could talk about Young Life Capernaum all day. So you just keep asking me <laughs> questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, like, you know, what what is it about? Um, caring for people you know you call them your friends what is it about caring for your friends at Capernaum um that just really excites you and and does it does is it not just merely that you feel like you're getting to serve the Lord by caring but how my my guess is that it's also they serve you they give that just that whole experience is so reciprocal in how it works yes if you talk to any leader in Capernaum and here's the thing with that I love about Capernaum in our leaders is that they want to be there. Like they're there for a reason. They, there's some kind of like they have a family member or they met someone who impacted them. You know, it's not like they're not doing it for hours necessarily, like community service hours or yeah. something like they legitimately want to be there and care about people with disabilities. Um, and I think that's what makes our ministry so different and like so amazing are the people that also that volunteer there. But um, I, I think any leader would tell you, that um you think you're going in and that you're serving mm-hmm. you know but you get i get so much more from my friends than i could ever give to them yeah and it's just i think the thing i love most about capernaum is that in i was actually with one of my friends from young life last night and he was showing me a text that a mother had sent him and it was just like you know i've seen brandon's confidence grow because of participating in young life club and campaigners Mm -hmm. and he gets to be around people um who are like him and he has no fear and there's no um i don't know how she said it but it's just like he's with people who love him and accept him for him and he doesn't have to pretend to be anyone else but himself Mm -hmm. and i think that is the beauty of north texas capernaum or just capernaum young life capernaum in general yeah and I imagine the same is the same as it goes for you as oh. a leader. I just get to be myself, I, and it's so you took the words right. Of, I was literally about to say that. No, like honestly, any club I'm, you're at, I mean, it is. It's like I can do. I don't want to say. How do I want to say it? Like you can just do anything. You can mm-hmm. be as silly as you want, and just you know, I am not a good dancer and we love to dance at Capernaum Mm. and no one has ever told me, Rory, you're a horrible dancer. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it's just, yeah, it's this place of freedom to be honest. Like it is, I think we've talked about this on a past podcast too, of just like, um, you know, when we have, we have club talks and then we have cabin time and, you know, just getting to talk to our friends about Jesus. I mean, of course, that's the main point of the ministry, right? Is to, is telling our friends about Jesus. Um, and but just getting to have conversations with them about just life in general, you know, and how like our faith bleeds into that. And so, you know, I've this is probably I've sat in high school gyms and had, you know, Capernaum friends ask me, like, Rory, what is an abortion? Okay, we're oh, going wow. there. Like just yeah. like questions like that. And we you know, we talk about politics, you know, some of the girls that I hang out with on a regular basis are like, Hey Rory, like, what do you think about this? And I'm like, well, why don't you tell me first what you think? Mm. And then, you know, and we talk about like grace and loving people that are mean to us. And, um, yeah, it it just really runs the gamut. And so it's really cool to just get to see 
our friends in a space where they can be themselves and have fun, but also, yeah, learn about Jesus. the next question I was going to ask where you talked about like just the more general like kind of life stuff and so I was I'm wondering how has that affected you outside of Capernaum how do you think it's influenced you as a person and as a as a Jesus follower I mean you know obviously those that those of us that know you a little bit know that you know you kind of have an infectious joy and they're like i'm just wondering you know obviously we talked about you know you where you grew up and stuff so i know that has something to do with it but i'm also just wondering if your experience with capernaum has had any kind of carryover and kind of you know shaped you into this very patient loving um joyful person how you know how does that work i think so for sure it's you know again i can tell 20 billion stories um one that I think about is we went to Texas camp in San Antonio and um, one of our friends, Johan, he has OCD. And so he wants to stop and he wants to fix everything and make it look perfect. <laughs> well, we're trying to walk to the river walk and he's trying to straighten up all the tables on the river walk as yeah. we're walking. <laughs> that's great. So, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a situation where you're like, okay, Johan, I know that we want to fix this, but we got to go, buddy. We got we to yeah. get on a boat, you know? Yep. So, yes, I think it definitely, like, I definitely think it's taught me patience for sure um I also just um I don't know how to say this other than like you know accepting accepting someone for who they are yeah um and loving them because of that in spite of that I don't know where I was going that but um I see I think for me outside in when we go places like to camp, when I'm traveling with a group of 50 to a hundred people with special needs and watching how others interact is really what has like makes an impact on me. Um, when we've been in hotels and you know, there's like 20 billion people trying to go up on the elevator and everybody's like, mm-hmm. what's happening or just seeing like how the hotel staff is just like, they give us gifts when we leave because they think we're so great or, um, we, I don't, I don't know why I talk everything in San Antonio, but we walked mm-hmm. down to the Alamo to take a group picture, not even kidding, 50 to 60 people with special needs, disabilities, wheelchairs, all sorts of things happening. And there's a guy down there on the, at the Alamo doing a doomsday, you know, speech and, uh, you know, on a soapbox kind as, of thing. He, yeah. He's legitimately was, <laughs> he sees all 60 of us walk up, stops talking. Yeah lets us take our picture is like smiling gives a thumbs up as soon as we walk away he starts preaching again <laughs> but like just people's i guess everyday reaction of like that's interesting that is an interesting story for sure like just like getting yeah. to see i guess i don't know if i'm really answering your question per se i definitely no. think it shapes me there's so many ways that i could tell you that i can't articulate right now but i think for me watching 
and seeing how other people interact mm-hmm. with people with disabilities and special needs, especially if they're not comfortable or they've never been around someone mm-hmm. is always interesting to me. And I think, again, that's where it goes back to like watching my aunt and uncle advocate for my cousin. I think young life Capernaum, it's, it's twofold. So we're definitely there to tell our friends about Jesus, right? Cause that's what it's about, but we're also there to advocate for them. Um, and I think that that's what a lot of our leaders are like, whether they know it or not, we're advocates. Yeah, that's great. So just curious, we'll, we'll link it in the show notes. We'll put it, but let's just say these show notes we have now, just (laughs) just if like somebody was interested in getting involved with Capernaum, what's the kind of commitment like, how would they go? I mean, they would sign up. Is there like Mm -hmm. trainings that you have to kind of do, or I'm just curious, maybe somebody might be interested in getting involved, but would kind of know what that would look like I don't I'm... if you're interested in being involved call me um that's a I good can, first step uh, <laughs> I can get you to the right people yeah kind of what leading looks like we have typically we have two clubs a month and then one campaigners a month so club is what we call party with purpose so that's where we sing and we dance and we have club talk and we play games and it's really silly um and then campaigners is where you actually have a Bible study. So it looks a little bit different for Capernaum. We don't necessarily do a Bible study, but we have a meal together, mm-hmm. which we think is important. Um, and then we also do highs and lows for the week and we pray for each other. And then kind of over the course of the semester, like we've talked about relationships before, not just, you know, boy and girl relationships or romantic relationships, but like friendships yeah. and your relationship with your parents. And so we kind of try to do something like that. Um, because of COVID, we have been meeting in more small group campaigners. So it's only just like three or four of our friends with a leader or two. Um, and we do it at someone's house. But so that's really the commitment. We ask that you come to club those two times a month, participate in campaigners. There's also what you call contact work where you hang out with your friends outside of all of those things. Um, so I have two girls that I hang out with on a regular basis. They go to TJ High School. Um, and been hanging out with them for quite a while. Yeah, so no, that's really great. But it is a time commitment, so it is. But again, you know, if you miss a club here or there, like that's fine. Um, but we do really want, if you're going to be a leader, to commitment. be committed. Yeah. Because you're in. I mean, these are teenagers, and so yeah, like, we don't want someone. I'm not going to say we don't want someone, but <laughs> we want our leaders to be committed. And um, I don't know, like the word, but. Not stable, but you know. No, yeah, a consistent. A consistent. That's what I was looking yeah. for. Sorry, not Sta- stable. Stable's good too. Stable, yeah. consistent, yeah. whatever <laughs> works. Okay, well, thank you, Rory. This Thanks, has been guys. great. Yeah, uh, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Christ City Cast. Thank you to Rory and to Scott for sitting down and having a conversation. If you would like to learn more about Capernaum, the Ministry of Young Life, serving teens and young adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities, check out the show notes. We'll link it there, and you can find out more information 
about that ministry. Thank you to Young Oceans who provide all of the music for these episodes. And if you would like to sit down and have a conversation for a future episode of the Christ City Cast, please come find me and we'll set aside a time to have that conversation. Thanks 